episode six. Welcome back to the big run. Thank you so much for all the feedback and comments that have been coming in so far. Um, I really appreciate all of you guys tuning in and to all of the people around the world, amazingly, who are starting to discover the podcast. The UAE, South Africa, Sweden, Norway, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Singapore, Finland, Malaysia, Mexico, Poland, Thailand, India, Oman, the Philippines. It's insane to know that this little podcast um, is starting to get that far and wide. So to all the people listening who've discovered us, thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is a YouTuber and his growing subscriber count will attest to the fact that he is the go-to guy for honest, impartial reviews and commentary on all things running. Ladies and gentlemen, please put it together for Mike Ko, a.k.a. Kofuzi. First things first, how was your 10k time trial the other day? Uh, it was, it was tiring. So, yeah. uh, I had not optimal, I mean, not terrible weather conditions, but not optimal. Mm. And, um, I definitely let it get to my head. And so I think that, you know, it's one of those things where if I just kind of just shut up and run for a little bit, uh, mm. I think I would have done a lot better, or at least I would have had a better time. Right. I was, I was spending a lot of time really worried about like, time and pace and what is this wind doing to my overall time and just like how much race is left like I just was thinking about too much stuff and Mm. I just felt terrible the entire time but I ended up like negative splitting the second half and coming in at a pretty considering my level of fitness right now at a pretty decent time so it was you know uh, a lot of mental stuff that was negative but overall the performance was decent just a lesson, you know, get out of my own way kind of thing. Yeah, man, that is a real thing, isn't it? That mental thing. Like I've literally just got back from a session today. Um, well, obviously our, our club or the club that I'm a, a member of, we've kind of disbanded at the moment because we're in sort of full on lockdown. So track is kind of off limits at the moment. So we're meeting up in the park because we're only allowed to meet up with one other person and doing sort of covert socially distanced sessions. But it was totally the same thing again, like five by 1200 meters with 60 seconds recovery and t- talking yourself out of the workout before you've even mm-hmm. started it, you know, and, and yeah almost like dreading the workout and having to remind yourself, hang on a second. I, I do enjoy this. You know, you, yeah. you, you find that sometimes that you have to kind of remind yourself that like, oh, I, I love running fast. It's, it's great. It's great to get the fast shoes on and, you know, and really go for it. But sometimes I'm, I'm sort of, I'm dreading a session before I launch into one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's one of my mantras during running is, you know, this is how it's supposed to feel, mm-hmm. you know? And I think like a twist on that could be like, this is the good stuff. You know, that's what like, kind of what you're talking about is like, you know, this is what you signed up for. This is like the best part. Everyone is always like dreading the easy day because it's boring and it's not challenging. You know, when you're thinking you're going to vomit or that you're not going to make it <laughs> through the rest of the session, like that, that's the good stuff. You know, that's the real fun stuff. And I have to, I have a hard time reminding myself of that frequently mm. when it comes to a race. And so part of that is because I tend to go out too fast and then like the alarm bells start going off and then like everything gets into like emergency contingency plan time. And then again, my head gets in the way and I'm forgetting that, you know, right now that moment is the greatest part. Mm. And I need to remember that. And when was the last, I mean, obviously no one has been racing for a while. When was your last when was your last race? Uh, would have been January, I think, the Houston Marathon. Um, 
which uh, was kind of like that too, where I went out too fast and then I started freaking out and then uh, then things didn't go well. And I just kind of a lot of mental stuff going mm. on. So, and I'm the, looking forward to a new race to like redeem myself. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is, is there anything that you've tentatively entered into for, I'm guessing probably next year now over in the States? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Just because, I mean, here, everything is very weird in terms of what's going to happen. And it's hard to predict what's going to happen. And I don't want to like sign up for something and then go through that routine of like, mm, I haven't heard from the race organizers in a while. Mm. You know, that, oh, I don't know what's going on with cases in that like region or whatever. Mm. And then have it postponed and all that kind of thing. Now, where I'm at, I'm in a rural part of the country now. And they've actually had races here. Um, really? Whereabouts are you based then? Right, well, right now I'm in my in-laws in Iowa, which is a rural part of the, the Midwest, about 200 miles from where I normally am in Chicago. Mm. And here the response to everything has been strange um, and counterintuitive. So there was actually like a 100 mile race that went on like about 20 miles from here, maybe like a month ago. Really? Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so is the response back. over there very much sort of state by state sort of area by area it's very it's different across across america yeah mm-hmm. it's very um uh yeah re- very regional mm. and um some regions like my home state illinois is taking it much more seriously and behaving as one would kind of anticipate people should be behaving mm. this state uh, is a little bit different. Now mm. I get it. There's different populations and different population densities, but still there's things that are very baffling. So it's just very bizarre. With the different regional variations, is there missing that racing? Is there a temptation to sort of dip your toe back in that water or are you just sort of steering clear of it for the time being? Uh, I'm steering clear of it because, I mean, we're here because Chicago just felt a little bit too crowded for us at the moment you know and so we're like well my in-laws or my wife's family lives not that far away it's a rural area lots of space Mm. um so uh we decided to do that here and then if i were to go race now it would kind of defeat the purpose of you know going somewhere to be away from people it would kind of ruin our bubble so um while it's like "Hmm, i think i mean i've never run 100 mile race but like um you know, there wouldn't be that many people out there on the trail yeah, at one time. Yeah. Like maybe we can get away with it. But then at the same time, it's like the whole reason why we're not living at home and haven't been living at home for the last five months is to stay away from people. So, oh, right. so maybe you... it's an overreaction, but. Well, no, I, I mean, to be fair, like if I think it kind of makes sense in a way, you know, to take yourself completely out of the equation. So there's kind of no thinking required. If you know you're in a sort of safe, secure bubble, you're with family and your family's all together, mm-hmm. I can kind of see the logic. And like looking at obviously the stuff you put out on, on YouTube and on Instagram, like it looks really beautiful. Like all your mm-hmm. GoPro footage that you shoot when you're, when you're vlogging, when you're running, it looks like a gorgeous place to run in. Is it, is it great for running where you are? Yeah. And I think it's really underrated. I mean, it's not one of like the US's like top areas for running no one would consider this like a running area Mm. um but it's the running is really good here and Mm. so uh, i'm one of that's one of the things i'm trying to do in my time here is really spotlight that there is good running uh in the midwest with some elevation i mean we're not we don't have mountains but Mm. um you know it's not all flat so 
And where are you in terms of sea level there? Is are you quite is there is there a little bit there in Iowa or, or not are you quite close to sea level? Um, I think where we are, we're uh, maybe at like 600 to 800 feet above sea level. Okay. But um, on the eastern part of Iowa, where we are, uh, it abuts the Mississippi River, and there are a lot of bluffs. Mm. So on the on the western side of the state, it's very flat, very open, very like um, just open fields. But on the eastern side of the state, which I didn't know um, before, like basically meeting my wife, is that the eastern part of the state has a lot of elevation change, uh, a lot of like uh, granite and, uh, like hard stones, which create some pretty interesting elevations and opportunities for some exciting running. Oh, nice. So in terms of you then, in terms of your history with running, I mean, what came first for you? Was it, was it running first and then vlogging or was it vlogging and then running or have the two kind of been in tandem for you? Um, they kind of ping pongs back and forth. So I ran, I started running in like, uh, in elementary school, junior high school. So mm. maybe like around 11 or 12 years old, okay. I was on my first, uh, team. I mean, and that would have been like, you know, 1990. Mm. So there, there wasn't vlogging or, or even really video. I mean, there were video cameras back then, but there were VHS. Yeah, so yeah, no one was running beast. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, I started making videos, uh, a little bit before I kind of picked up, I mean, I've gone in sp different spurts with running, you know, kind of falling in and out of love with it over the mm. years. And it was on kind of a break where I was making a lot of videos and then I started picking up running again. And then I was like, oh, I'm making these videos every day and I'm running almost every day. Uh, Hello. Let's put them together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay. Let's do it. Let's try it. And with the videos that you were making, like, so you were making the videos to begin with, you were vlogging. What was it about vlogging that appealed to you? Like, was it just something that you enjoyed for yourself or was there, were there YouTubers or vloggers that you saw that had kind of inspired you down that path? Well, I mean, uh, it's a little of both, right? So I was watching, I mean, that's, this would have been like 2015, 2016. So I feel mm. like kind of like the peak of vlogging, you mm. know? Um, mm. And so I was watching a lot of YouTube already and um, I already knew how to make videos a little bit. And I was really interested in the idea of doing something on a somewhat daily schedule mm. that seemed undoable. That seemed to just not make sense for like one person to try and like a regular one person to try and do. And then it made you really think about like workflow and like planning. And I thought that those would be just interesting skills to develop. Mm. And I was having a really good time with it too. I've always kind of wanted to have something kind of creative going on. Uh, it wasn't always video, but sometimes it was writing. Sometimes it was more like kind of graphic arts type of thing. But um, I've always kind of had like something that I kind of do when I got home from work. Mm. Um, and uh, in 2015 or 2016, it became making videos. And so a lot of it at the beginning was, you know, you got to make videos about what you know. And at the time we had one young kid at the time. Uh, now we have two, but we had one at the time and we're living in a city and raising our kid in the city. And that's kind of what my world was. Mm. So that's what a lot of the videos were at first. I'm just trying to do that on a, a daily basis, kind of like urban dad kind of thing. Mm. And then um, that shifted into to running as I started picking up. Uh, one of my friends uh, from school was like, hey, you, you used to run, right? Let's sign up for this race. And I was like, uh, okay. And I kind of just reignited from there. And, and how long had it been since you'd last run to entering that race? What was your kind of, what was your break from running? Uh, probably about five years. So it had been a while. And what was the race? Uh, it was the Soldier Field 10 mile. So on Memorial Day, there's Soldier Field in Chicago uh, is where um, Chicago Bears play. And oh, so nice. on Memorial Day, they have a big race there and it was a 10 mile race. And I think I prepared for like a month, maybe. Nice. 
And then I just felt after that race, I felt like the bottoms of my feet were going to fall off because they were so like <laughs> caved in with the burn, you know, now, I'm, my feet have toughened up a little bit since then. But like, I distinctly remember like that pain of like, here's my foot, here's the bottom of my foot. And they're no longer really connected. Just cause they're <laughs> so but that was that the, was that the turning point for you? Did, is that when the reignition really began that you were like, I, I want to get back to, you know, back into running? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a really good time, you know, running that event. And the other thing that running didn't really have for me, like the last time that I'd run was um, suddenly like there was beer at every event. And so like, I, I just don't know if I didn't notice that before or if I didn't care about it as much before. But then like I did that race and I was like, oh, there's beer at the finish. It's beautiful weather. I've already run 10 miles for the day. And it's like May. I feel like I'm already in shape this is great. So like, that was like all like good things all at once. And, uh, I mean, like who knows what would have happened if we had bad weather that day, but mm. like it was beautiful weather. Um, I had a good time with my friend and uh, I just felt, you know, really great. And then there was a beer. And so I was like, this is good. I could do more of this. It's the, it is, it's those great experiences that seal the love of the sport, I think. And it is, it's the, that beautiful weather or the beautiful location. Like, whenever I've been abroad, like running in a different country or something has always really cemented like my love of running to, to explore and, and discover a, a new city. Like, and I love it when those, those moments in print and like kind of reaffirm your love for it, because you must have days where you're like, ah, oh, I, you know, fuck this. Do you know what I mean? That you just don't feel like, like running at all. Yeah. I mean, there's right now, I mean, I, I try to run in the morning before everyone wakes up and uh, it's pretty d dark when mm. I um, go for the run. Pretty soon we'll be at the point where it'll still be dark when I'm done with my run too. And yeah. I just don't like running in the dark. And so uh, some days it's like, it's just an easy run today, like five or seven miles. Yeah, it's cold. It's going to be dark the whole time it's not doesn't always seem that like like mm. yes, let's get out there and run yeah um so there's there's days like that too for sure and what gets you out the door then is it the fact that you know you've got well you've got to create some content or is it what, what is that thing that just pushes you out the door and gets you going um i like kind of like the the momentum of mm. it so like uh i'm a i'm not a huge run streaker but like i love the idea of the run streak um, the idea of like building something over the course of many days mm. and having that idea of that this isn't just like a one day thing. This run isn't about Tuesday. This run is about one part of a much bigger kind of piece. Mm. Um, I think one of the big things that really kind of changed things for me in terms of the way I think about running was Strava. Uh, and it gives you that weekly mileage number. Mm. And that weekly mileage number, I just really, I mean, to almost pretty much to like a fault at this point, but I really like it when that <laughs> weekly mileage number is big, you know? Mm. And so like the idea that like, all right, well, it might be pretty miserable out there. It might be cold and it might be dark, but I feel good today. There's no reason I can't run. So mm. let's go do it, you know? And let's try to enjoy the fact that, you know, I'm out there, I'm running. I can take advantage of this. Um, I can do this thing out here and uh, have that time kind of to myself or, um, you know, sometimes I want to be more contemplative about things and sometimes I just want to zone out. Neither mm -hmm. one uh, is a perfectly fine result, you know? And so um, that's kind of how I kind of get through that is I think about, you know, the bigger picture. And then I also try to have a little bit more gratitude going into it instead of like resenting the mm -hmm. run being like looking forward to like 
there was a time going back to like that first run where like a seven mile run would have been a pretty big deal mm. for me. And now I can kind of like, that's like a ugh, Tuesday, you yeah. know, kind of thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I try to keep that perspective to it too. That's a really good point, actually, man. And I definitely, I, I could almost definitely take inspiration from that. It's having gratitude to be knowledgeable of the fact that, yeah, you know, you've run six out of seven days this week and you've done 60, 70 miles. Like, you know, two years ago, that would have been like doing an ultra marathon or something for you, but now it's like a, a solid week. But on the flip side to that Strava, because I, I found this before and I don't know whether you have, but Strava can become a little bit addictive and there's something... Mm-hmm about chasing that mileage sometimes like I I will hold my hands up and definitely say that I am one of those people that will do an extra couple of laps of the block so that I get those even numbers on on my sort of Strava mileage have you you ever found where it's become a little bit sort of too much of an influence on your running yeah I mean I've I've definitely had that too and um, I'll actually be talking about in the video that's going to come out tomorrow a little bit but there's a part of it that it um, there's a lot of you know comparing yourself to other people that yeah. happens once you start getting on Strava and uh, it makes it really hard to have like a proper easy day run anymore mm. after a while, if you've been on Strava too long, you know? Mm. And so you're like, well, you know, my body might say I want, you know, a certain number of minutes per mile, but I could probably push it a little bit. And then if I push it a little bit, it won't be a nine something minute per mile. It'll be like high eights or the other way, like it won't be eight something. It'll be high sevens. And that looks a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. And so you end up, you know, running too many of your easy days hard and it, that's not uh, necessarily a good thing either. So that's more of like at this point, like some of the things that I've been working with is like, all right, I don't care if it's a high nine, it's a recovery day run, it's an easy day run. My body needed what it needed and it's fine. It, it's okay. You know, so it, it took some re- readjusting. I'm st- I'm definitely still working through that. Like I'm 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 at the beginning of that journey. Like my, yeah. I think my ego is is and it's is exactly what you've described. It's like oh man, but like nine minute mile, like nine and a half minute mile, that looks so lame. And it's like you, you know that when the 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 sort of description that goes underneath the Strava is longer than the activity because you've got all the justification and the excuses to go yeah. along with it. It's like you just need to, yeah. I, I'm still going through that journey. I'm on like stage <laughs> one. I think you're. Still- <laughs> slightly further down the line so in terms of you just touched on then about um about videos and, and about your youtube channel and obviously i will be linking all of your amazing youtube um in the description to this and if people listening haven't checked out um mike's youtube they very much should do because it's there's a real honesty i think and a, a genuineness with the stuff that you put out and i'll get onto that a bit later but what i'm really intrigued about is because you described a little bit before about your your flow and your kind of your schedule so what is because you've got a family you've got two young mm-hmm. daughters you've also do you you don't YouTube full time, do you? You've got a job as well, is that right? Or do you do, well, do YouTube full time? Yeah, uh, because of COVID, uh, I don't really have a job anymore. And then one right. of my daughters is doing school from like virtually from home now. And then my other daughter would normally be in preschool, but we decided to keep her home this year. Right. So um, I'm kind of like full time. Well, I'm full time dadding. You know, you're but, homeschooling. Uh, then I, I imagine you've been full on homeschooling. Yeah, I mean. For preschool, homeschool is a lot of like play is how I've been approaching it, you know, Mm. and we do a little bit of like, you know, making sure she can identify numbers and and letters and things like Mm. that. For my daughter, the way that her school is approaching virtual school, I don't really have to do too much for Mm. it. So that's kind of been a lot easier on me. So uh, it's not quite 
I, I wouldn't really call it homeschooling, but you know, both of my kids are at home and, you know, I'm, I have to make, definitely have to make sure that there's lunch ready at the prescribed hour and yeah. there's recess time and activity, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's like a, you know, make, make sure that they're doing what they need to be doing. But my daughter is eight, but she's pretty independent. She's going on nine. She's pretty independent for age. So there's not a lot that I have to do for her. I just have to check on her work every once in a while. So you're still managing to, so what is the, how does the day work then in terms of going out, filming, editing, mm-hmm. uploading, are you doing it, is it daily or are you doing it with like a, a, a day in advance? Like what's your, what's your schedule then for, for uploading and getting all your content out? Yeah, generally, um, like I, the video you see on that particular day is usually was shot the day before. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a pretty tight turnaround. There's not a lot of like, it's, it's rare will I have like shot of like footage like a week ahead of time and then mm. the video comes out. One, I just don't have like the mental capacity to like juggle like like an Instagram that might have like stuff from today and like a YouTube video that has mm. stuff from like last week. That just really messes with my head a little bit. And there's always like inevitably that where there used to be always those races where it's like if you're like well, a week behind and then like there's a race, then like the the race video doesn't come out for a week just seems really inconsistent with like the pace of youtube Mm. and so um i just got used to like you know i'm never going to be the guy that has like four videos in the bank and i can go on vacation and like in four like once a day for four days videos will come out that's never never really going to be me so typically i will wake up before everyone uh four o'clock is usually kind of my alarm time and then I'll edit videos until about like 6.30 or so, depending on how long a run I want to get in for the day. And then I'll go for my run and I try to be back between like 8, 8.15. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit later, but my daughter doesn't start her virtual school till 9. So that gives me time to make sure that she's got breakfast and she's all set for anything she needs during the day. And then ideally I'm done with the video before all that happens, like before I go for my run. That's not always the case. So then sometimes like while the baby is still kind of like getting up and would rather just kind of watch cartoons in the morning, kind of let her a little bit, finish Mm -hmm. up that work. And then once that's done, then I focus more closely on, on what she's doing. We do that until I do a live stream every day on YouTube at three, three o'clock. And so then, then, I mean, grandma and grandpa are here. So uh, they help out quite a bit. Either my wife kind of watches my daughter, like the younger one at uh, live stream time or grandma and grandpa do. Mm. And then after that, you know, I kind of varies depending on the day, but, you know, we'll kind of catch up on any other last school, last minute school stuff. And then it's time to make dinner. And so that's kind of the day after dinner, I might do some more filming or more other work. So a lot of the time, this room that I film in is usually black back here because I'm filming it after dinner at night. And so um, that's kind of the schedule. So that's pretty relentless, man. Like, And you talk about the pace of YouTube, like, is, mm-hmm. do you feel a pressure? Do you, is there is there a pressure behind the work or is is that or if you do feel a pressure do you, do you enjoy that because I suppose as well the the there must be a pressure from you to because obviously you do incredible shoe reviews as well to be keeping up with all of the latest releases or if there's you know when we go back to it if there's races happening or or, or events is there do you feel that pressure the only time I really feel pressure is when I don't know what I'm going to make the video about right. I try to make about six videos a week. Sometimes it works out fine because I'll get products to review or shoes that I want to talk about um, or training that I want to talk about. And then other days, it just depending on the way that, you know, the my running schedule has ended up, I might have like two days or three day stretch where I'm like, I, I don't, there's no like thing to talk about. 
I'm going to have to figure out some sort of story mm. to tell. And so that's when it's a little bit of pressure, but I feel like that's where the good stuff happens. Mm. That's when you start thinking about like, how do we start getting away? It's one thing to have like a channel full of like, here's three different reviews that I've done on massage guns. Right. Mm. But like, how do you like make that become a channel that has a narrative that kind mm. of weaves through it? And I feel like that's when I take those days as like, those are harder because then I have to think a little bit differently, but mm. I also take that as an opportunity to make sure I'm connecting to the people that are coming every day. Cause not everyone wants to look at a review for a massage gun, mm. but like, how do I keep weaving the narrative throughout all the videos? So that way that person might still watch it because it still has something of value to them. And what do you think it is that keeps people coming back to your channel? What do you think it is about your channel that has, cause it's built Mm -hmm. quite i mean because you were vlogging for for quite a few years and then it really started to to snowball and your subscription rate has gone up but what do you think has kept people coming back i like to think that what keeps people coming back is that i'm just a regular person so mm -hmm. like i'm not uh particularly gifted but i just i run a lot i love doing it and um my struggles are their struggles and their mm -hmm. struggles are my struggles and so these are things that we can all kind of relate to, not having enough time in the morning, uh, not having the best conditions for your run, um, mm -hmm. being a little bit too concerned about that weekly mileage number. Those are all things that I think we can all relate to. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are, you know, that's what it reflects. So the idea, it's not aspirational. I, I don't know what the other, I wish there was a better alliterative way to put it, but it's more like we're, we're seeing from a peer level rather than like, oh, okay, that's how mm -hmm. they do it. It's like, oh, this is what we do. You know, that's kind of what I'm hoping people get out of it. I, I think you're right. I think you've definitely, you've called it there. It feels like a window into an honest sort of runner or a non-elite, as you call yourself, a non-elite runner's kind of kind of existence, I think. And that, I think for, because it is such a, running as a sport is such a solitary, you know, kind of singular activity to have that shared experience with someone else who is kind of telling you the warts and all to a certain extent of their experiences i, th I think that is is compelling and you, you talk about um you know going through your, your different struggles and your different things with with training and stuff is is there particular things at the moment that you're working through with your training in terms of things that you're trying to to improve or or, or get better on well uh i have a little bit of a nagging runner's knee issue that's uh, going on so that has yeah. kind of dictated a lot of videos for better or worse. I mean, I would rather have not had to discuss it at all, but um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, whatever's happening is kind of like, that's, that's what the stories are about, you know? Mm. Um, but that's also something that people can relate to because everyone's kind of run into something, maybe not runner's knee, but you run into like, you know, I wish I were hundred percent. I'm feeling a lot better, but I'm still not there. And it's kind of irksome. You know, there's a lot of that that I think people can relate to. That's uh, that's, that's what I've been dealing with. And how, what, what, where is it at at the moment? Your runner's knee, how long have you had it for? Uh, I think I've, like, I realized that it's been runner's knee for maybe like about a month, but right. I think I've had it for about three months. So uh, I'm, I'm working on it. But, you know, I'm still able to run decently. Um, it's just the limitation that I have right now is like, I can't do the mileage that I'd like to do. Hmm. Um, so like, you know, speaking about that weekly mileage number, I love to be in that like 60 to 70 mile a week range, mm. but I've been closer to like 40s right now. That's and, you know, that's still pretty awesome. And I'm enjoying myself out there, but I still like to be out there a little bit longer. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit more to go.
Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It really is it's such an injury prone sport. And it feels like sometimes it's just one niggle after another. Like I feel like my niggles have crept from my ankles to my knees, to my hips, to my groin over the past sort of three months. I'm actually off to the physio tomorrow and praying for uh, for not um, sort of two weeks enforced rest, actually, if I'm honest. It's a real it's a real struggle, isn't it? And so what, what kind of stuff are you doing then to combat that? Are you, are you Is there strength work that you do alongside your running as well? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of kind of trying to correct muscle imbalances. So I think mm. that's where it's coming from. I mean, I've always kind of thought that I run a little bit funny, but I'm now thinking that as I got to some of like my highest mileage ever, I think that it was really starting to catch up to me and I needed to figure out a way to kind of address some of those things instead of continuing to be like, oh, well, I ran 80 miles last week, so I'm, I'm sure I'm fine, you know? So I kind of was like, no news is good news about it. Mm. Well, I started getting bad news. And so, you know, I got to make sure that I'm being a little bit more proactive. So a lot of uh, single leg exercises, mobility type of exercises. I spent a lot of time thinking about glutes and glute activation. I think that's somehow related, but that was a whole other kind of like rabbit hole to go down because I just... Mm. I didn't resonate. I didn't understand what people were talking about. I still, I still struggle with what the hell that actually means. Glute activation. (laughs) And sometimes, and I've spoken to so many different people and they're like, be mindful of your glutes when you're running, try and activate them. I'm sort of like running with a a furrowed brow, like trying to squeeze my butt cheeks. And I'm like, is this, is this doing it? Like I, I, I feel I feel like that's really an elusive thing or maybe we just used to be really good at it and then we just evolved to just constantly be sat down all the time and our glutes have now become defunct and we don't use them anymore but I'm I'm yeah. with you on that one I still it feels elusive to me glute activation yeah I mean the way I think of it is kind of like I mean it is I think it is a lot of it related to sitting down a lot but um, I don't like the term glute activation but I just think of it like just kind of like a different kind of stretching or like you know, if you sat down, like I spend a lot of time sitting on the floor for whatever reason. And if I do that for too long, um, when I stand up, my back might be like, oh, it's a little bit tight, mm-hmm. you know, or if you sat down for too long, your, your back, back might be a little bit sore. If you were to try to go out and like run right away, you might not run as tall as you're supposed to. You would just, you know, kind of run a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going on with our glutes. We're all running like a little bit funny because we're not, not activating, but like, we're not like, fully stretched out and so Mm. our body can't like ah, do what it wants to Mm. and so you're running in a constrained way and then I think that leads to further problems down the chain whether it's in your hip knee or 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 ankle and so when I think about glute activation I don't try not to think about it that way because activation kind of implies like something's turned on like a switch that you can Mm. flip but I think of it more like just like loosen up that back you know and it's Mm. not back but it's in your butt But, but that's like the analogy that I think about. Cause I can definitely think about, Oh, okay. Well, if I wanted to like be comfortable while walking, I would definitely make sure that my back was stretched. If I were like hunched over for too long. Right. Mm-hmm. I would want to make sure that I'm like, Oh, okay, there we go. And kind of, that's how I think about the glutes too. Yeah. It's about having that, that mindfulness sort of mindfulness, that sort of awareness of it, I think. And it's so funny, isn't it? Cause it, I always feel that, we had this, uh, I'm, I'm an actor normally, that's normally what I do. And when I was um, training, we had this great analogy by one of our, our voice teachers and they were talking about the human voice. And they gave this example of how uh, a baby, and, and you will probably be able to relate to this as, as a father, a young baby can scream and scream for hours and hours and on end and they never lose their voice. 
Yeah, if you go as an adult to like a, a football or a soccer match and scream at your team, by the end of it, your voice will be really, really hoarse. And it's because of all those bad habits we pick up as we get older. We slouch more, our, our neck is more compressed, and we don't use our, our vocal capabilities in the way that we're naturally given them. And I, and I feel that's the same with, with running, like you're constantly unpicking years of bad habits. So years hunched in front of the computer or, or slouching in the couch. And I feel like there's a, I always feel a little bit of like regret of like, God, why didn't I sit up straight when my parents told me like now I'm paying all this money to a physio or a strength coach or whatever. And it's like, God, my, my parents had it right when they told me to sit up straight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seemed so arbitrary. It seemed more of like a, a, an act of decorum when you were younger, but now mm. it's like, Oh, I really should have done that. Cause then mm. I'd be doing things the right way. Yeah. That, function like they're supposed to. That natural efficiency. Um, we got to talk about shoes. We got okay. to talk about shoes. So, like your your shoe reviews. Well, that's how I first found you um, mm-hmm. on YouTube. Like, so for you, like as someone who who kind of has an experience with all of the products out there, all the all the brands, all the technology. What what is it about the shoes that are out now that really get you excited as a as a reviewer and as a runner? Um, I think that shoes now enable me to run as long as I want to. Mm. And I think that's what's exciting. So earlier we were talking about like when you're traveling to a new place or trying to experience a new place, like running Mm. is a fantastic way to do that. I feel like the shoes are now like working with me to enable me to have those running experiences that I want, whether they're training experience or run Mm. tourism type of experiences, the shoes are there um, as uh, kind of a means to an end that allow me to have these great running experiences. And that's what's exciting for me. Um, some of them are softer, some of them are firmer, but uh, they're all like trying to deliver a certain type of experience. Mm. That I think um, is starting to get a little bit more like specifically defined. And because of that specialization, I think that it enables for like real excellence for certain types of activities. So it's a pretty exciting time to be a runner. And do you think because you have all those different experiences, like it's interesting you were talking about that 10 mile race and that sort of difference between where you thought the sole of your foot was and where it actually was. Do you think now with all that different sort of sensation and, and, and nerve activity you must have in the soles of your feet, do you, do you, can, are you able to detect those differences of like, oh, that midsole foam feels a little bit sharper or oh, it feels a bit harder? Are you, are you becoming more aware of those nuances because you run in so many different shoes? Yeah, I think so. Because I think in the beginning, it was more like, this is a shoe. I like it. I'm not sure why I like it, but I know that I just like it. Or I know that I just don't like this other one. Hmm. And over time, that turned into like, well, why don't I like this one? Or like, maybe I don't like it because I'm running slow in this one. And this one likes to run fast. Or maybe it's the other way around. And so I'm starting to kind of be able to figure those things out. It's like a better vocabulary for it. I think of it analogous to like people that um, like taste things for a Mm. living and they're like, oh, this has notes of like elderberry and honeysuckle. And I'm like, I don't know what either of those two flavors. (laughs) So that doesn't really help me. But for them, that probably means a lot. And I think that um, one, I try to stay away from like too esoteric of descriptions when I talk about shoes, but I also um, have kind of like refined my ability to like step into a shoe and be like, okay, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what things that are good. Here's what are not good. Mm. And um, 
and kind of make an assessment about that. And I think a lot of people can do that, but I think maybe you were not like thinking about shoes that way. We don't have the experience with a wide enough variety of shoes to really kind mm. of like detect the differences. So I don't think that I'm like, I'm not like, um, you know, like a sommelier where, uh, of shoes where I like, I have a special ability to detect nuances in my feet. I just think that I've been working on my vocabulary for a mm. while. I still love the idea of a sommelier of shoes though. I mean, <laughs> that would be, that would be the wine tasting holiday because I don't drink, but I'd love that wine tasting holiday. would definitely, but just, sm- I mean, that new train of smell, <laughs> just, just talking on some fresh trainers. I mean, that would be amazing. Like, is there any, is there any at the moment that you're particularly a, a big fan of? Cause there's, I mean, this year it feels like, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just because of lockdown and COVID. I feel like there's been, we've kind of had more time to sort of lost over new shoes but like has there been any particularly this year that have really made you like really have given you that experience that an an enjoyable experience yeah i really like the endorphin speed that's one that was very surprising to me i thought i was going to be all about the pro and the speed would be like okay maybe Mm. you know a cheaper version that's good it it meets a demand in the marketplace but i ended up liking the speed a lot more and that just was a real surprise and it's a real pleasure to run in that shoe and I'd say the Hyperion Tempo, that DNA flash midsole mm. material that Brooks came out with, also a big surprise. I kind of wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting something so lively to come from Brooks. I mean, they have kind of a, um, a different type of shoe that they tend to make. And this was a big departure from it. And so that was really exciting. I ran this morning in the Hyperion Elite 2, which is that same DNA flash midsole, but it has the carbon fiber plate in it. And it's just a great material to run on. And so it's exciting to see those new materials that are coming out uh, that are making it so that way you can have uh, all those different kinds of running experiences you wanted, but better, you know, so it's a, again, an exciting time to be running. Those are probably my two favorites so far for the year. Oh, endorphin speed. That's literally what I've just done that session in and they're, Mm -hmm. they're creeping over 200 miles now. And I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. And it's still, still great. Like I sort of tend to, um, pronate a little bit onto my lateral side so the, the the foam is starting to slightly break down a little bit on the outside of the shoe and it, I I feel like they've been such a special shoe I'm going to give them like a Viking burial like I'm going to give them the full, <laughs> the full send out like you yeah. know on the water flaming boat I'm just going to be so sad to see them go I'm desperately trying to find a second pair um, for love and money at the moment struggling um, just because it's been such a great shoe so what in terms of experiences in the future, where do you think it is going with running shoes? Do you think it's going to be like double carbon plates, triple carbon plates, new midsole foams? Like where, where can you see it going? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if there are, is there a rule against double carbon plates? I, I don't, mean, yeah, probably. I'm sure that, not, that sounds not, incredibly illegal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Cause I just don't, that the rule that rule i mean doesn't really apply all that much to me i'm in, i'm in no danger of winning any races at any point <laughs> so like i, I uh, the rules are interesting from a spectator's perspective but from like a consumer perspective i don't follow them too closely but i mean i think there's still going to be a lot of that innovation there's still going to be that kind of like arms race mm. i mean once it's started um you know i don't i don't know where the end of that is maybe we're at the end of it now but uh, I, I have a feeling that we're gonna see even crazier shoes, even more innovative shoes, some that'll be fantastic. And I think some that'll be like, I'm not really sure, maybe this is a little bit too much. Mm. Um, but what I do see is that um, what I anticipate 
there's going to be a wider variety of runners entering kind of like the running shoe marketplace. And what I hope is that there's a wider variety of options for them. Mm. So instead of there being like one daily trainer, and I think we're starting to see that to an extent now, some of the companies are coming out with a couple of different kinds of daily trainers, depending on the kind of running you're doing, what, you know, your level of kind of experiences and what your distances are. And I think that the, the daily trainer that works, for example, for someone who's like a distance runner in high school and college is very different than the needs of a daily trainer for a distance runner for someone who's like in their thirties. Cause that's usually a half marathon or a marathoner. And those are like two very different yeah, kinds yeah. of runners, I think, even though they're both distance runners. And so I think there'll be a lot more specialization, um, which just means there's more opportunities to get like smaller, like each one shoe won't have to hit as broad of a portion of the population. Mm. I think that can make it so that way they're very finely tailored to the types of running that you want to do. And I think that's where things get really good. Yeah, I I think you're right, man. I think you're right. It's inter- interesting though, you're right with more people like discovering running and particularly with everything that's happened this year. I, I mean, it feels like when you go out, there are more people than normal who discovering mm. running for the first time. And that, that's, I mean, that's great. Like that is, that's the, that's the want really, isn't it? That more people can discover and have these experiences. But for those people who are, who are, who are maybe venturing out for the first time, like what would you say in terms of picking out those shoes for someone just joining the sport like is there things that people should be aware of looking out for like people listening who may be maybe just starting to get that love for running things maybe looking to get their first proper pair of running shoes what they should be looking for yeah i mean i'd say for people that are at the way beginning part of it and that's something that i always try to kind of keep in mind i mean sometimes my videos tend to more to cater towards a little bit of the shoe fanatic but I always try to remember like this video is also for people that are like, I just saw the shoe and I'm Googling it now. Mm. I want to learn about it. I don't know anything about the shoe is, you know, if you're just starting out, don't worry about the shoes, whatever you have right now is fine. You know, you'll get to the point pretty quickly if you stick with it where you're like, mm, I think I could probably use another shoe. Maybe I can try something. Maybe I will get that first pair of uh, proper running shoes, but what is that? And I think, Generally, what I look for, what I steer people towards for their first running shoe, if they're like, I want a running shoe, I'm just getting into it. I can't give you any more information because I don't have any other vocabulary, you mm-hmm. know, because I don't know what else I need by that. But can you give me a recommendation? I always steer people towards whatever brand it is, like the daily trainer in that. I think that's a great place to start. No matter like what your kind of experience is, I think that's usually a great place to begin. So if it's Nike, it's like the Pegasus. If it's Hoka, it's the Clifton. Saucony would be like the ride, uh, maybe the Convar. So there's there's always like that thing that's in the middle. New Balance has like the uh, the Beacon. You know, there's always something right there in the middle. That's not the fastest shoe in the in the lineup, not the heaviest shoe, not the craziest, and not the most boring. There's something that's always just kind of in the middle, and you can start with that. Run mm-hmm. with that for a little while. Figure out what you like or don't like about it, and um, then you can go from there. Then the next time you go get a shoe, you could say. I've been running in this New Balance Beacon. I really enjoyed it, but I'm looking for something with a little bit more this or a little bit less that. Now you're starting to develop that vocabulary. Mm. Uh, I mean, the best case scenario would be like, I loved it. I don't want another one. I'll get another one of the same shoe. I mean, like, so chances are with the daily trainer, you have the highest probability of, yeah, that last one worked. I'm going to buy the same one again. But it's also, it's a really exciting time to be a runner. So there's so many other options to try. 
you might want to try something else, even if you did really like what you had before. Oh, there's, there's so many options and there's just so much money to be spent on trainers right now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. I mean, like, are you, so, I mean, do you, what's the split in terms of the trainers you review? Are, are people sending to them, sending them to you to review as a, as a product tester now, or are you, are you purchasing them with your, with your own money? How does that work? Um, it just depends. A lot of times the, I'm buying it myself. And mm. so usually like, um, the racers are the ones that I end up buying myself, but just because. I want to get them like as soon as I can and maybe someone is sending them to me or not, but I don't want to wait even if I have a relationship and I might be able to get it sent mm. to me. I want it right away. And so like, I'll just buy it really mm. quickly. I'm not quite as plugged in as others who are getting it like a month ahead, two months ahead, testing it out. So that way like on launch day, there's a video ready. Right. There's a couple of times where I've done that. Um, but that generally doesn't happen with me with like the biggest shoes. Mm. Um, just to kind of like explain where I am in like the hierarchy of the different reviewers and channels. Um, so a lot of times that's why I'm buying the shoes myself. Um, but I do get a decent amount of shoes sent to me and that always uh, helps out a lot too, because one, it keeps me from being a little bit too close-minded because I have a certain type of shoe that I like mm. and I might not necessarily consider some of these other ones that are out there. But a lot of the times when a shoe gets sent to me, I end up liking it a lot. Because mm. I, I mean, people wouldn't send me a shoe if they didn't really believe in it. And so, um, cause they know like if I don't like it, I'll tell people that I don't like it. And still like, you know, you gotta really be competent in the shoe if you're going to send it to me. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to so say like, have you ever had like, you know, maybe slightly newer companies send you stuff and it, do you ever sort of, if it's a real dud, like, and you're, you're not getting on with it, do you feel a bit bad before you sort of pull the trigger on the video that you might say, you know, where you're sort of, sort of slagging the shoe off a little bit or do you feel like no they they knew what they were signing up to when they sent me the shoe that i was going to be completely honest about yeah, i mean yeah it's a, it's a little bit of both because um one it, i don't feel bad about it if i say that i don't like a product because uh as a very valuable aspect of i think what i do is yeah a lot of ways that people find me is like all right i'm getting all these instagram ads for like this set of earbuds or this recovery device or whatever let's type it into YouTube, see if there's any reviews, right? And so if I actually don't like it, I think that's a really important kind of video to make. But I balance that on the other hand by saying like, I try to be as constructive as I can with it. And I don't think that people are making bad products on purpose or trying to like swindle people or anything yeah. like that. But they're trying to like hit a specific set of goals. And maybe that goals is a good amount of quality, but at a very specific price point to hit, to address a certain gap in the market because maybe there's AirPod Pros and then you've got $20 things that you might find like in the impulse section of the grocery store. But there's a, a middle ground of people that need decent performance and a good price. Is that what this product is? So like I try to really understand what is this product and who is it really targeted to? And is it meeting those goals? Because maybe I don't like it because it doesn't meet my expectations for this product. Mm. But someone thought that this meets a certain customer's criteria and would be a good value for them who is that person and does this indeed deliver on that value so i always try to think of it that way even if i don't like product that's a really good i mean i suppose that's a really a good rationale to have and so you just you just mentioned something then that just made me think of something and slightly off pace now but you were talking about massage guns and recovery mm -hmm. like what is your attitude to recovery? Do you put as much slant on that as you do as you're running? Like I know me as a runner, that's something I am 
I, I sort of struggle with. Like I, I, it's something that I need to get better at. Is it something that you put as much focus and attention on as you do with your videos and with your running? Is there, is there a real focus towards it? Uh, I don't give it as much attention as it deserves. Um, and uh, yeah, I think part of that is because my, my nature is to keep working at something, just add more work and that'll make something better. And so recovery is kind of like the opposite of that. And it feels counterintuitive to me. And uh, it's also like makes it hard for me to kind of do my schedule. So I feel like the most powerful recovery tool we all have is sleeping well, mm -hmm. right? But um, when I am waking up at four o'clock in the morning every day, it kind of makes it hard to sleep well um, because you're not, I mean, I go to bed really early. I go to bed when my kids go to bed. So I have like a, I have an eight-year-old's bedtime, mm -hmm. but um, I, do, I do wake up pretty early <laughs> in the morning. And um, that kind of definitely hinders my ability to recover well. And I don't always, I very rarely get a chance to nap. So like, I'm not doing that like pro level recovery. And then do you rely on some of the other tools like recovery drinks, massage guns, foam rolling, all that other stuff, which is helpful. Um, but even those things that I can do in the course of my day and the busyness of my schedule, I still am probably not doing nearly enough. I'm not probably. I'm definitely not doing it nearly. <laughs> it's you're so right about sleep, isn't it? Have you read the the Matthew Walker book, Why We Sleep? No, oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, he is fascinating, and I heartily recommend it. He is mm -hmm. a neuroscientist, and it is a book all about his work as a neuroscientist studying sleep, but it's written in a very approachable way. And he's worked with various NBA teams and high flying business people and Silicon Valley types and stuff. But he says that sleep is the greatest performance enhancing drug known to man. And it's, it's a fascinating read. The, the, the stuff that he talks about that happens to your body when you don't get enough sleep is enough to give you nightmares. Like it's real kind of, it's incredible. Like the, the level of um, damage that's done when you don't sleep, but yeah, you talked about being a spectator a little bit earlier in terms of watching like the elites, cause you're, you describe yourself as, as a non-elite and I would definitely count myself as a, as a non-elite as well. Um, but I'm definitely a fan. Like are there runners that you watch and you see that really kind of excite you and inspire you at, at that sort of elite level? I mean, my attention is focused a lot on the American runners just mm. cause there's a common language and I think I, I can just, I feel like I can relate to them a little bit more. Mm. So those are the runners that I'm gravitating towards. And for the U S I mean, if you are a fan of American distance running, then I think that you're probably watching a lot more women's running than you have been probably before, because mm. I think the women are just doing such a fantastic job. I mean, and not only from just performing relative to the world stage, um, not that the men are doing a bad job, but the women have just been doing a fantastic job. Mm. Um, but they're also, I think, uh, realizing or adapting to kind of like the new kind of pro that you have to be in order to be a successful professional athlete, which is, you know, there's still the people that are out there that like, I, I do all my talking out there on the course or out there on the road, and you're not going to hear about my training. You're not going to hear about my recovery. You might get a post-race interview and a pre-race interview and that's it. But I think um, what a lot of the female pros have really embraced before the men were that like you have to be a member of like social media and have that, let people have access to you. I mean, I think the analogy would be, we don't give it a second thought that like NFL players, NBA players, like 
there's reporters in the locker room. You get interviews all the time. There's the weekend shows where people are not only doing interviews, like sit down interviews, but they're like inviting people to their home and like letting people kind of get that glimpse to that person. And uh, social media has really enabled that. And I feel like a lot of uh, the pros that I'm following are the ones that are giving that kind of access mm -hmm. because that's something that I can then relate to uh, on a daily basis. And then that makes me more excited when I see that they're going to be in a race, you know? And so that's kind of how a lot of my spectatorship kind of develops is that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't want to turn on the TV and then spend the first 15 minutes being told who to care about for the race, which does happen in a lot of races that I watch. Mm. Uh, it's much more exciting of an experience when I already know about the person and I understand the backstory already going into sitting down to watch that race. So you have, you kind of already know the narrative, like you're invested in the characters before mm. the drama kind of unfolds. So who, who then out of the, the women elites that you, are you a really big fan of that you are invested in? Uh, I mean, like right now, I basically the entire NAZ elite team, because I think that Ben Rosario as a coach has done a fantastic job of navigating that balance. And so you're seeing a lot of content from them. I think we're seeing that also with the Bowman Track Club as well, where they're also doing that same thing, taking advantage not only of the benefit of team training, but also of kind of like the marketing side of the, that team that's together. You know, think of it, it I, the way I think of it, it's like, there's like the Avengers movies, like there's each of them can have their own movie, but when they're all in the same scene at the same time, all fighting, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And so like each of these athletes can have their own YouTube channel, Instagram feed or whatever. But then every once in a while, you'll get a video where they're all on the track doing a session together. It's pretty cool to watch mm -hmm. that happen. And I'm just, I'm a person that can watch talented runners just running in circles. I could watch that all day. And so like, it doesn't have to be complicated. Just someone's on the bike anyway. Right. <laughs> so like, just have them hold a phone and then put it on an Instagram reel. I'll watch it. I'll watch it all day long. So like, I think that's just pretty cool. And I, I really enjoy the the teams and the athletes that are doing that. In addition to the people at Hoka, I think like Emma Coburn is doing a really great job of it too. The ASICs, uh, their, their push seems to be much bigger on the international side of it too. So a lot of their European athletes are mm. investing a lot more. I don't know if that's a push from ASICs or if they're realizing that's how they need to to connect with people, but they're doing a really good job with it as well. And so it's exciting to see that the pros um, are giving that level of uh, accessibility, which I think, mm. you know, um, if you want to have fans, you got to ha let fans have something to get excited about. And especially for running as a sport, like is relatively, you know, when you look at like the behemoths, like you say, like the NFL or I suppose over here, like the premiership and stuff like that, running is relatively, it's put, it's kind of much further down the food chain. Like, so I, I love, I'm still getting the idea of like the Avengers team up moment in the running track. I think that's an awesome analogy. So you're right. Like it is about providing that visibility and it's, it's stuff like, you know, having, um, having the 40th race, the, the London marathon that just happened. It's like having events like that, or, you know, Kipchoge with the Ineos 159. It's, it's high profile events with lots of access that will, you know, keep the sport having a profile and hopefully attract more and more, more and more people to it. Thank you so much for, for chatting to me. But before we finish, I, I I've been asking all of my guests this and apologies for the curveball to sort of throw it at you, but I'd love to know if you could give, one bit of advice that perhaps you've found yourself through your experience as a runner or perhaps someone else has given to you, your one best bit of advice about running that you would like to impart to the people listening. 
Uh, I would say run today so that you can run tomorrow. So I think that uh, too many of us are trying to like win the race in like week three on a Tuesday uh, in our training plan. So like it's, there, it's all part of a much longer, not just one season, not just one year, it's all connected. And so just run today and have a good workout, but you're also going to run tomorrow and run the next day and run the next day. So like think a bit more of the long term. So run today so you can run tomorrow. Oh, love that sentiment to finish on. Mike Cavosi, thank you so much for coming on. I will definitely be linking to all of your YouTube and social feeds as well. But yeah, thank you for coming on and being such a brilliant guest on The Big Run. All right. Thanks so much, Jenny. Run today so you can run tomorrow. Big thank you to Kofuzi for coming on the show and for sharing all his perspectives on running and talking about shoes. Oh, we love shoes. Next week on The Big Run, People are just animals, basically, aren't they? It's, <laughs> it was so feral. Squatting behind their partner, weighing or worse. And yeah. Oh, it's going to be a good one. As always, you can check us out on Instagram at the Big Run Podcast or on Twitter at the Big Run Pod. And you can follow my weekly mileage, which at the moment is a lot lower than I'd like it to be as I'm still struggling with injury. Hashtag runner's life at Danny Runs Some. Until then. If you're able to, get out there and get running.